0: There's a story told of a gentleman um, <laughs> who was sitting at the Los Angeles uh, harbor, and he was there watching um, a Japanese freighter there being unloaded. And each container uh, that was being unloaded had uh, handling instructions, like you would expect. Um, they're stamped on the side of those containers, uh, put there in big, bold, black letters, both in Japanese and in English. But evidently something was lost in translation because what this gentleman saw that was printed in English simply said this: "Um, "If this side is up, this container is upside down." (laughs) Uh, Yeah. When I read that story, I thought, you know, how oftentimes do we recognize if our lives are upside down? For us as Christians, uh, the question might be. What are those undeniable marks that, as Christians, we are living right-side up? I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 John this morning. We continue our study here. Um, We've uh, titled this series, Going Deeper, and we're looking at 1 John. You'll find 1 John near the end of your Bible. It's the first of three uh, little letters that John wrote. Um, and if you recall from last week as we talked about this as we introduced this series uh, John was one of uh, Jesus's inner circle. He was uh, one of Jesus's apostles um, And he walked with Jesus. I mean he talked with Jesus. He hung out with Jesus. He touched Jesus um, And that's important for us to understand in fact, John makes sure we understand it in the first four verses of, of first John it's important because See, most of the readers of 1 John um, would not have had that personal encounter w- with Jesus. Um, I mean, Jesus had lived some 60-plus years uh, before this letter was, was written. Um, and so the recipients, <laughs> you know, they would never have uh, encountered Jesus. They, they would have been two or three generations removed from the historical uh, Jesus. And so they're asking similar questions to what second third generation Christians might be asking today. How do I know if, if Jesus was real? How do I know if Jesus was really God in flesh? I mean, how do I know that those stories that were, were written down there in the Gospels that they 're just not just made up you know? What is it they were asking? Uh, It makes my Christianity real. Is it because I go to church? (laughs) Is it because I have, you know, a big old Bible sitting on my desk? (laughs) Is it because I I, I live in the United States? Does that make me a Christian? In 2020, a survey was done by Pew Research Center They came out and said 65% of adults in the United States identified themselves as Christians. But what's the proof? I mean, what are the undeniable marks of being right side up, you know? Being a Christian. Have you ever watched the Antique Roadshow? You know, it's on PBS. you know, my wife and I enjoy watching that show every once in a while. And that show, you'll find the the appraiser wants to, if they want to authenticate a, a piece of property, what she may do um, is, is look for markings on the bottom of the, the vase or the piece of furniture. She's concerned with the style. She's con- concerned with the color. She's concerned with the materials that are used. And there are certain things that the appraiser looks for to make sure that it is an authentic piece of property, uh, pottery, or furniture, that it is really an antique. <laughs> one of the marks that John looks for um, to authenticate whether or not we are truly Christ followers is if we are walking in the light. Look with me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now John here, what he does is he starts off with this foundational truth that God is light. Um, Of course, John's talking metaphorically here. But he's using a, a description of God's character that uh, uh, John's Jewish readers and also his, his Greek readers would have been uh, familiar with. The Jewish readers would have been familiar with it from the Old Testament. I mean, that that image of God as light um, talks about God's self-revelation as holy, as pure, as righteous. For example, in Psalm 104, verse 2, the psalmist says, You, O Lord, are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment. <laughs> light also symbolizes um, God's salvation. Psalm 27, 1 celebrates God as my light and my salvation. Light also tells us, um, you know, what a reminder of those Jewish readers of, of God's guidance. It, 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 God, um, his light, shows the way in the darkness. Um, You're familiar with thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my paths. the psalmist says. So this metaphor of God as light, I mean, that certainly would have resonated with his Jewish readers, and it also would have resonated with his uh, Greek readers. Um, Why? Well, because this image of of light... um, was an image that many of the philosophers of that day were, were using. For them, light, see, was a, a, a metaphor of a higher truth and of, of, of a spiritual discovery. you got to seek after the light, they would say. And by this time, by the time that John is writing this letter in the first century, Gnosticism, uh, uh, heretical teaching was popular and in fact had found its way into the church. These False teachers, they, they taught um, that salvation came to those who possessed this uh, secret knowledge. Um, this secret knowledge, see, that was the only thing that really mattered. It was the uh, material things. See, the material things weren't all that important. I mean, material things, they, they said that those were passing away. Only the spirit and, and knowledge were eternal. Therefore, they reasoned. Um, it didn't matter how the, you would live. It didn't matter um, what you did with your physical bodies, uh, uh, promiscuity, uh, drunkenness, um, gluttony. <laughs> I mean, fine, go ahead and do that. They say Those things, they said, didn't really affect a person's soul. So there's no harm in, in indulging in those. Now listen, I know we, we don't often hear that word Gnosticism today. Um, but I got to tell you, this kind of uh, thinking is still um, very real in our world. Um, in the church, this splitting off of uh, spiritual selves from our, our physical selves, this thought still finds its way in, in, into the body of Christ. It's too oftentimes we have bought into this lie that as long as, hey, listen, I've prayed the prayer, and I, I, as long as I believe the right things, then, listen, then we'll be okay with God. In an interview with Christianity Today years ago, Billy Graham said this. He said, it should not be surprising if people believe easily in a God who makes no demands. But see, this is not the God of the Bible. Satan has cleverly misled people by whispering that they can believe in Jesus Christ without being changed. But this is the devil's lie. To those who say you can have Christ without giving anything up, Satan is deceiving you. I think John would have uh, agreed with Billy Graham. See, John says, listen, you you, you can't separate the spiritual from the material. You can't separate uh, your, your belief from your behavior. So John takes this word light, see, here at the very beginning of his letter, this word light that means so much to his readers, and he turns it back on them. He reminds him that, see, light isn't just about knowledge, it's about conduct. God isn't light because he's spiritual. He's light because he is holy. And just to make sure his readers don't miss uh, the point, uh, John emphatically um, restates it, right? Look with me. This is a message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is Light. And in him, look at this, in him there is no darkness at all. Um, He's saying God's pure light. He's not deluded at at all um, with evil or or hatred or untruth. No, light and darkness, he says, they they don't mix. (laughs) You don't go together. And just make sure, um, he makes this point. He he says, look with me at verse 6. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He's saying, hey, listen, um, as incompatible as light and darkness is in God, it is also that same way in, in, in a Christian. You're either in the light or you're in darkness. You're either living the truth or you're living a lie. Light and darkness, they are opposites. You cannot serve a God who is light while continuing to dwell in the realm of darkness. Now, I want you to make sure you understand this. It's it's important, I think, for us to notice that darkness here is more than um, simply an act of sin. It's the realm that opposes and is hostile to God. That's what darkness is. John never says, let there be uh, no darkness in you, (laughs) as if he were saying, hey, um, true Christians never sin. That's not what he was saying. Darkness and light are realities that are greater and outside of us, each making their competing claim to us in our lives. Let me try to demonstrate it this way. Um, um, Just picture for a moment two circles okay this first circle is um, uh, God's pure light okay it's light and in, in in this realm in this circle of light you you don't find any uh, uh, falsehoods or impurities or or sin in in, in this one uh, this uh, second one is um, uh, the circle you might call then darkness. In in, in this uh, sphere, you'll find um, uh, you know that falsehoods, and you'll find uh, um, uh, impurities, you'll find um, lies, untruth. Um, now I want you to notice here: that there's nothing in common. The two don't share anything in common together, do they? Um, If I had a bigger sheet, I'd I'd draw them further apart (laughs) Uh, because light and darkness have have nothing in common. God has no fellowship with darkness, zero, nada, zip. (laughs) Um, There is no evil, no hatred, um, no untruth at all in him. God is pure light. Um, You see, John here, he is sharing with us this truth that God is light, that God is pure light. That's where he starts here, but then he wants to take it beyond this because this truth that God is light comes with a couple of different implications for us. First of all, if you want to know if you're a Christian, John says, if you want to understand, if you want to really test this, then do your faith. Look with me again at verse 6. Look what he says here. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That phrase, do not practice the truth, literally is we do not do the truth. Uh, Translators um, decided that would be a little bit awkward talking about doing truth. But see, that's exactly John's point. We think of truth as something we know, (laughs) but John is telling us, no, truth is also something you do. For example, Um, If it's true that wearing a seatbelt saves lives, it's not simply enough to know that truth. I mean, you have to do the truth. You have to buckle the seatbelts. In the same way, if um, um, if it's true that every person created has been created in the image of God, then we'll treat every person with dignity and respect, regardless of their race, religion, class, sexual orientation, or political affiliation. If it's true that everything we have belongs to God, right? Then we will be good stewards of all that God has given us. (laughs) We'll give generously and we'll uh, spend wisely. See, according to John, real Christians don't just believe their faith. No, they, they do their faith. They live out their beliefs, They stop sinning. They they walk in this circle of light. (laughs) And they imitate God's character. Then John gives us a second implication of this whole idea that God is light, this truth. He says, if if you want to know you're a Christian, then walk as Jesus walked. Look with me at verse 7, what he says here. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In biblical thought, walking um, equals living, okay? It's synonymous with living. So when John says walk in the light, it's another way of saying that the Christian life is lived within this circle, this sphere of God's light. To walk in the light means to shape one's whole being, all of one's actions and decisions and thoughts and beliefs by the standard of God, who is light. And the commitment John seeks is that as we walk in the light, we'll focus more closely on the the center here, the center of the circle, who is Christ, who is God, and learn to live in conformity with the center of that circle. A few verses later, look with me. Look what he says here. Chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever says he abides in him, that is Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In other words, John is saying, listen, if you talk about Jesus on Sunday, then you should live like Jesus the rest of the week. What's that mean, we say? I mean, Sutton, what does that really mean? for us to, to walk and live like Jesus the rest of the week. Well, let me ask you, how does a, how does a, a 21st century American Christian walk as Jesus walked? I mean, do you remember the old um, wristbands they used to use, uh, have handed out, you know, the WWJD wristbands um, that said, what would Jesus do? Um, and that was good up to a point, but I got to tell you, it wasn't very practical. A better question um, says Dallas Willard, is this. What would you do, what would Jesus do if he were me? That's a little bit hard to put on a bracelet, but <laughs> it's a little bit more helpful, I think. For example, for example let's say that um, you're a boss, okay? Then ask yourself, if Jesus were a boss and had to oversee this group of people that I work with, what kind of boss would he be? Would he be unreasonable with his demands of of people and uh, refuse to listen to others? Would he be soft and let everyone just get away with whatever they wanted and get in whenever they wanted to work? Or would he be gracious and also truthful? Let's say if Jesus were a parent, what kind of parent would he be? And which TV shows and video games would he allow his kids to watch? How attentive would he be to the kids, you know, their health and their homework, um, to their friends that they had and hung around with? How often would he read to them and how often would he pray with them? And, and um, <laughs> would he ever threaten to throw them out of the car if they didn't stop fighting in the back seat? <laughs> I mean, what would Jesus do if he were me? I mean, you get the idea. Think through your daily life. How would Jesus live if he were you? See, being a Christian, it isn't just a matter of believing what Jesus said. It's a matter of living like Jesus lived. Now, it's certainly true that uh, knowing and doing go together. I mean, you can't, you can't know um, how Jesus would live your life if you don't know how he lived his life. So I think it's imperative for us to to, to study scripture. It's imperative for us to spend some time in in prayer, um, listening to God, asking God to give you wisdom. But listen, if that studying and and, and that prayer never makes a difference in your living, you really aren't walking as Jesus walked. Again, I think it's important for us to notice here that John is not expecting perfection, okay? Okay? I mean, those who walk in light do indeed sin, but when they do, they recognize it and they confess it. And I got to tell you, Pastor Jay, he's going to speak on that next week, uh, titled Deep Clean. (laughs) John is not expecting perfection, but he is expecting progress. As we go deeper with God, as we walk in the light, and allow the light to shape us more and more, it will show up not only in our beliefs, but it will also show up in our behavior. We just don't take notes on Sunday and live differently on Monday. You know, you you don't go back and you have your quiet time in the morning and then without doing the right thing in the afternoon. Listen, I'd like to try another um, little uh, drawing, if I could. Um, And, um... This is a, a, something I've used before as an illustration. Um, I, I got it from another uh, pastor, and I think it's very helpful. So I want to uh, use this again. Um, in this diagram, um, we try to diagram a person's spiritual journey. Oftentimes, we just draw a horizontal line, right? Uh, and, and we talk about the idea that on this side, if it's uh, no God, on this side, we might draw they know. God, okay? Um, (laughs) Here, the person on this side, the no no God, uh, they have nothing to do with God. Um, They're not close to God. They don't know God. They're opposed to God. On this side, the person is uh, completely uh, formed, um, you know, uh, uh, conformed to God's will, to who Christ is. Christ has been formed in them. This is the the, no God. They know God in a personal way and, and he has been completely formed in them. Now, this is a, a progress along this. And we might call this a, uh, uh, you know, a, a doctrinal line here. So you might call this a, an axis, a doctrinal axis, a line here. And a person has you no know God. But hopefully, eventually, we talk about them growing to, to, to know God. They, get, they say, okay, God exists. They come to that place in their in their uh, understanding, and then they come to the place where they say, "Oh, well, you know what? Uh, Not only does God exist, but I believe in Jesus Christ." And they come to a place where they cross the line. Right? We talked about that. Hey, they've they've crossed the line. But even after they cross the line, there's still more to go in order to get to that place where they're uh, completely formed um, in Christ. I mean, they have to do some Bible study, maybe do some, uh, have some time in prayer. They come to worship. They get involved in a small group. And they continue to progress in their knowledge of God and who God is. Um, well, here's what happens. Um, John is not settled with just this side. According to John, we have to draw another line. And this line is a vertical line. Okay? This is a vertical line. A vertical axis, and in this vertical axis, John would say a person on the bottom is someone who is, <laughs> we're going to picture this this way, sinful. A person up here on the top is holy, okay? person down here uh, habitually uh, sins and doesn't care if they sin, they, they, they just live that way. person up here is, again, completely formed in Christ. They become holy, like like Christ has become holy. Um, And so this, you might call, is the ethical axis, okay? So um, uh, what you have is a a person hopefully uh, progressing this way as a Christian. They're hopefully progressing up towards becoming more like Christ, right? Let's consider an example here. Um, uh, Jesus reminds us on the Sermon on the Mount, um, that God's law says, "Do not commit adultery." Okay, and so we could put adultery down here. If this, if if this was, if this was a, a, a sexual ethics um, axis, we'd put adultery down here. Um, I mean, it's it's very likely if a person's a habitual adulterer, they aren't likely to be a Christian, right? But then Jesus says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So there's there's a a, a progress here. There's a continuation here. This line represents sexual ethics. And so there's a variety of sins along this line. Okay? If you're unfaithful to your spouse, you're probably going to, it probably measures down here. If you're continually unfaithful to your spouse, it's down here. Um, if you have intimate relationships before you 're married, it eh, might be down in here somewhere. Uh, then you say okay hey, um, uh, how about the pornography? well, maybe that 's up in here there's there 's a progress. How about the lustful thoughts? Well, that could be here, it could be here you know you 're not sure exactly when the person crosses that line, but there's definitely has to be some type of progress in this um, this this process along to become like Christ, right? Um, So here's the question I have. According to John's way of thinking, where in this grid would you find the real Christian? Here in the upper right-hand corner, this this grid, right? Because they're becoming more like Christ and they've accepted Christ. You'd find the, the, the Christian here, okay? Now let me ask you this question. Where on this uh, chart, where on this grid would you uh, find the non-Christian? Well, you'd find them probably down here in the lower left, right? If I'm down here, because in this area, they haven't accepted Christ on on the doctrinal, nor are they living (laughs) like Christ in any way, okay? Now, here's the question. What do you do with the people that are living in these two quadrants, How about the person who's living over here? They haven't accepted Christ, but they're living pretty good lives. Well, you'd say, well, we'd say, well, if they haven't accepted Christ, we'd say, no, they're not a Christian. At least we'd have to put a question mark there, right? But how about the person on this side? The person who says they've accepted Christ, but they're they're not living a life that exhibits any Christ-like living. I mean, at best, we'd have to Put a question mark there, wouldn't we? Um, you know, according to John, a real Christian is located somewhere up in this quadrant, right? And it really doesn't matter necessarily where they are. What's most important than where they are is the fact that they are progressing, that they're moving to the right and they're moving up. They're moving up and to the Right? They're not only knowing more about God, but they're also becoming more like Christ in how they live. Um, It's having Christ formed in you. That's what we're talking about. Now, I don't know about you. That might not mean anything. It might not be significant for you to see it diagrammed out that way. But for me, it's a very helpful uh, type of process to understand the, the connection between belief and behavior. It reminds me, that as a Christian, to pursue growth in both directions. And it reminds me, as a pastor, that taking people deeper isn't just about giving them more information. It's about life transformation. Now, let me give you a couple of cautions, you know, about this, about this chart here, this diagram. First caution is this. Only God knows where a person is on this grid. Okay? I mean, you can't, I mean, truthfully, you can't capture the mystery of salvation, you know, on a 3M post-it note. Okay? (laughs) You're just just not going to do that. Only God knows when a person really crosses this this line, both this way and this way, both in their their understanding as well as in their behavior. And it's not always going to be evident to us. Second, I want (laughs) to... Give you this word of caution. This test here, chart, is, used, is meant to use to evaluate ourselves, not anybody else. John didn't write this letter here to his readers so that they could point fingers at other people and pass judgment on them. He wrote it so that we would know whether or not we are truly a Christian and how we could experience that deeper walk in Christ. And that's John's take-home idea for us (laughs) today. It's simply this. You know that you are walking deeper when your belief and your behavior are taking you closer to Christ. When your belief and behavior are taking you closer to Christ, you're walking deeper. Listen, as we finish up this morning, Worship team comes up and and leads us. Um, I want to uh, ask you to consider where you might be on this on this grid. Have you crossed this line in your understanding of of Christ? Have you received Christ as your personal Savior and Lord? Have you crossed this line? Where are you on this? Uh, moving towards becoming like Christ in, in, in your behavior, in your life? What steps might the Lord want you to take to get you moving up and to the right toward a deeper walk and abundant life in, in God as he has in mind for you? I want you to take a moment and think for uh, just a minute And then talk to God. Talk to God all about it. Because God's desire, (laughs) I know, is to show us, each one of us, our hearts. And then to change us to become more like His Son, Jesus Christ.